Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Matt Bodner, partner in his family business, Fresh Hospitality. With roots in Birmingham, Alabama, beginning with Jim and Nick's, followed by Tzatziki's Cafe, Fresh Hospitality is based in Nashville, Tennessee, and its portfolio includes brands such as Martin's Barbecue Joint, Big Bad Breakfast, and I Love Juice Bar. Fresh brands have received national awards and press recognition, and Fresh's core team brings together the knowledge of veteran CEOs, operators, and franchisees that have been involved in restaurants for decades. Well, hello, Matt. Uh, thank you for joining us on Family Business Today. Tell us a little bit about your family business. Hey, Greg. Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for having me on here. Oh, we're uh, glad it, to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, to tell you a little bit about Fresh Hospitality, which is my family company, um, it's essentially an investment company that kind of invests across the food and restaurant value spectrum. So we invest in and operate businesses from farms to a production facility where we make things like ham, bacons, and sausages to really the two largest components of our business are restaurant operations and commercial real estate development, uh, which I can tell you a little bit more about each of those buckets. Uh, and then we have a number of kind of uh, ancillary investments in service and support companies, things like technology, marketing, accounting, et cetera, that kind of support our core operating portfolio. Um, within the restaurant bucket, we own and operate about 18 different restaurant brands comprising about 180, uh, or so restaurant locations, primarily based in the Southeast, but we kind of expand radially beyond that and, and forget how many States we're in now, but you know, maybe as far North as like Virginia, West Virginia, kind of Texas is the sort of the Western border, uh, down through Florida. So if I understand correctly, then you really you invest uh, in the uh, the brands that you're that are under the fresh hospitality. But then you really uh, look for the expertise of veteran CEOs or operators uh, or do you, and do you use the franchisee model as a part of your uh, uh, restaurant expansion? Yeah, so we do both. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're investors, but we're very active investors. So in most cases, we're taking a majority stake in the company and getting very involved in the management of the business. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean running the companies day to day, but that means, you know, serving on the board, helping them with uh, strategy, kind of getting involved in key moments of the company's mm -hmm. life cycle and impacting critical decisions, etc. Okay, very good. So, uh, Timba, so when and, and, and how, how did how did your family get started in all of this? So my family got started in this many, many years ago, and kind of the current iteration of our business has evolved over time. But uh, it began, my, my dad was in the restaurant business, uh, kind of coming out of business school. So he's from West Virginia originally, uh, and got his MBA. He was actually trained in engineering, uh, but be began working as... Uh, either the CFO or the controller of a, of a restaurant company based in Charleston, West Virginia, uh, kind of at the beginning of his career. 
he did that for a number of years and then had an opportunity to become one of the first Wendy's franchisees back in kind of the early 70s. And so he began building a business of, of Wendy's stores. And at, at the, um, I forget the exact sort of time frame, but mm-hmm. kind of through the 70s and early 80s, built a number of Wendy's across the Southeast and actually took his Wendy's operating company public as a sort of a subsidiary and then sold that to Wendy's International a number of years later. He then sort of exited the Wendy's business and started doing one-off restaurant investing um, and, and real estate development kind of in tandem with that in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that sort of morphed into what our current business is today, which really kind of coalesced around maybe 2008, 2009 into the current iteration of Fresh Hospitality. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Thank you. And so how about you, uh, uh, Matt? Did you uh, go to school and study hospitality or uh, how about yourself? Was How was your uh, uh, introduction to the, uh, the uh, hospitality industry? Yeah. So my, uh, my introduction to it obviously kind of grew up around it to some degree. And I remember being in restaurants, even as a little kid, when we go to openings and things like that. Um, but I never necessarily had kind of a vision of whether or not I would join the family business. I didn't have a path saying, I'm definitely going to do this. And I, at the same time, I didn't have a have sort of a thought in my head that I'm definitely not going to do this. And so it really kind of evolved organically. In school, I studied political science with a, with a minor in Mandarin Chinese. So nothing to do really with what I, with what I do today. But out of college, I, uh, I worked in New York for a number of years at Goldman Sachs, and that kind of investing experience translated really well into uh, a lot of the stuff that we do today at Fresh, and that was kind of a great foundation for me to kind of to, to build a base mm-hmm. um, before I came back and kind of got involved in the family business. Hmm. Well, there must be something about the uh, majoring in political science and uh, going into the family business. Uh, my degree is in political science as well with a uh, – Minor in microbiology. <laughs> nice, very cool. <laughs> oh, very good. So, uh, so your dad's in the business. Uh, you're in the business. Uh, are there any other family members uh, involved in the business? Yeah, to varying degrees. So, my brother is also uh, very involved, and really, me, my dad, and my brother are kind of the core uh, partners in the business. Um, and then we have a couple of other family members. I have a cousin, you know, actually two cousins, uncle, a few other people who are kind of tangentially involved in various roles, but really the three primary principles and decision makers are me and my dad and my brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so how did that ha- happen? Um, uh, you talked about, uh, uh, political science, Mandarin, uh, Chinese, uh, did you go to your dad and say, Hey dad, I, I want to get involved in the family business or did he have a conversation with you about it or how did that happen? Was it just osmosis or, uh, was there, was there a strategy for you to join the business? Uh, he was very hands off actually in terms of kind of in- encouraging or not encouraging my involvement in the business. He, kind of showed me what, you know, what the business was about. And we spent some time together and I traveled with him on some business trips and things like that. So I had a, I had a loose understanding of it. And actually I had an opportunity that I think was really the, the kind of most transformational opportunity when I was, um, before I went to work at Goldman, I kind of started it that, that summer in maybe mid June and I graduated college in early May. And so I spent sort of May and half of June, uh, working for my dad and kind of learning a little bit about the business just before I went off to New York. And that really opened my eyes to kind of what that lifestyle was like, what the business was like, a few pieces of kind of what was going on and really piqued my interest. And we, while I was in New York, we kept kind of an ongoing dialogue of, 
things that were going on in the business and what he's working on and what his challenges were, et cetera. And that really helped me uh, keep tabs on what was going on and eventually gave me another sort of perspective when I was looking at the, traje- the, the career trajectory of kind of a path at, at Goldman or another corporate company mm-hmm. or in the financial world versus uh, working with my dad. And that kind of helped me weigh that decision ultimately. I see. I see. Thank you. So, um, man, I'm a uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society uh, uh, judge, and and I know that uh, barbecue is a part of uh, what you guys do with Martin's Barbecue. Uh, join us, one of your brands there. So, uh, tell me a little bit more about your first job in the business. Did you uh, did you uh, cook barbecue or uh, <laughs> or assistant manager, or did you ever do anything uh, in the store, or was it more on the investment side and the more the corporate side? You know, it's funny. When I was in high school, I asked uh, my parents if I could work as a job as like a host or just mm-hmm. a waiter or something at one of our restaurants, and uh, and they didn't want me to. Uh, but okay. the first the first job that I actually had was um, on the technology side of the business, and technology plays a huge component in in our business and, and kind of is the backbone that underpins a lot of our operations. And so when I was when I spent that kind of stint of you know, a month and a half working for the family company before I went up to New York. Um, it gave me some really good insights and I, and, and I essentially spent that time implementing our technology platform into a new company that we just acquired. And so I got a really good sense of how the technology feeds directly into the operations and got to spend time with the, the chefs and the, and the operating people on the ground and really see how they think about the world, how that sort of interacts with the technological system that we were implementing and, you know, understand how the technology feeds into really efficient operations all the way down from putting together plates and recipes for things like hamburgers and, uh, you know, a pie, et cetera, all mm-hmm. the way up to feeding into food costs on the P&L and how that interacts with things like ideal food cost and, and sort of the backbone of how a restaurant operates. And so my very first gig was kind of doing that. Uh, and then when I came back from New York, I basically spent three or four months just shadowing my dad and going everywhere he went, meeting everybody that he met with and kind of a crash course in everything that was going on in the business. And he he basically deployed me into two specific companies within our portfolio that were kind of lacking for management or leadership and needed some help and were sort of opportunities to you know, learn the business a little bit more hands-on and also get involved and maybe create some value in some companies that were kind of struggling. Hmm. Yeah, you know, most of the time we we think about going into a restaurant, we uh, place an order uh, from the menu, then food has come out uh, to us, we eat, uh, we enjoy, but uh, uh, as you say there, technology is a very, very important part of making sure that all that happens for the guests there. So that's neat that uh, that is such an a important uh, part of your, your business plan. So what... From your standpoint, Matt, what were your biggest challenges uh, you faced when joining the family uh, business as a family member? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces of, to, that you kind of have to navigate. Probably the two biggest challenges, um, and whether they were sort of external or self-imposed, it's not. I don't, I don't fully know, but I think the biggest challenge is kind of striking that balance of having to kind of prove yourself or prove your merit and sort of that you kind of deserve a place in the business, not really to your family, but to sort of outsiders Mm -hmm. and, and bring the fact that you have credibility and can, can actually add value. And so that was definitely one of the biggest things that to kind of think about and and position myself 
appropriately for coming into the business. And then I think the other one, uh, which is, which is always a dynamic in a family business is just learning to navigate how the family relationships interplay with the business relationships. Right. Yeah. What, uh, what days and when are you, is, is your, uh, dad the uh, boss and when is he uh, your dad and and those uh, do interchange quite often so that's right in your opinion uh what is the best thing about working in a family business say compared to working at um golden Sachs or or one of one of your other other uh, jobs that you had before joining the family business what was what were kind of the the lessons that I learned from that? Sure. What are, what are the best things about uh, you enjoy about working in your family business versus working okay, got it. for yeah, someone yeah. else? Uh huh. So to me, I mean, the single biggest thing is is kind of freedom and and control over my life to a degree that's not that wasn't really possible within kind of a corporate context, and that to me was was sort of the biggest selling point. And I think it's not it, it's it's freedom both in the sense of time and control over my schedule and the flexibility to to kind of control when I spend my time and where I spend my time, um, but I think it's also the freedom in the sense of my my sort of financial upside is is uncapped by the corporate hierarchy and the the mandatory you know kind of chain of promotions every couple of years and slowly getting a raise and all of these kind of things. And so, not only was it sort of unbounded financially. Obviously, from the sense that I can, however hard I want to work and whatever opportunities I want to pursue, I can pursue them. You know, they may not work out, but at least I have that freedom to try. Mm -hmm. And then I think from a sort of a personal side, the flexibility of and the fluidity of being able to mingle kind of work and play in a way that's beneficial for me. And I think that, you know, I don't I don't necessarily believe in or live a life that purports to the idea of work-life balance in the sense that there's a sharp distinction between work and life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm working all the time or that, you know, that I'm playing all the time. But to me, and this kind of comes back to when, when is my dad, my boss and my dad, you know, if we take a, take a family business trip to somewhere and we have a board meeting while we're there and expense the trip and kind of make it a, you know, something like that. But then we're also going sightseeing and doing all this other stuff, you know, is that work or is that play? And all of it kind of fits together in a way that that holistically works for me, but it might seem sort of confusing or blurry to somebody from the outside. Sure, sure. Well, and thanks for sharing that about the work ethic. I think the work-life balance and always being at work or always being off is really a challenge uh, when you have family and business uh, uh, being said at the, at the same time. So um, obviously uh, raised up with some great values uh, uh, from a standpoint of uh, family, business, and everything else uh, in this whole idea of, of what your definition of work-life balance is. But So what, what are some of the values that you were taught growing up by your parents that have transferred very well into the family business and how you uh, treat your uh, employees, your team members, uh, your uh, customers, um, uh, uh, investors, and uh, so forth? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the biggest value that I learned from my father – and, and maybe it impacts less how I treat people and more just how I think about the world mm-hmm. is is essentially what I was just talking about, which is this idea that 
of, of controlling your own destiny basically and not being beholden to uh, not only my time being kind of allocated by a corporate manager that determines when and if I can take a vacation or take a, take a half day or whatever else and having to ask permission for all those things, but also financially not having my financial destiny be beholden to uh, kind of a corporate structure that says you get this much money here and here and here and here. And instead having kind of the, the flexibility and fluidity to control that, you know, my dad's life is, and sort of by example, more than anything, he really showed me that, you know, he has he has complete freedom and flexibility with how he spends his time, what he does. Mm-hmm. He only ever does exactly what he wants to do, and and he, to him, work is play. And so he he's he works what many people would consider a lot, uh, but he he loves every minute of it. You know, he retired when I was a young kid, when I was probably five or six. He re, he quote unquote retired when he sold his Wendy's business, um, and we moved out to Colorado for a number of years, and. He, he got extremely bored with retirement and started doing all these deals and getting involved in all this stuff. And so that was kind of a really interesting lesson for me that when you, when you find something that you really enjoy doing, the, the, the distinction between work and life kind of disappears and it's all, you know, everything is play, everything is fun Uh and there's no sort of barrier between those things. And I think having the flexibility and the freedom to choose what you work on and when you work on it really creates in many senses that, that kind of feeling of freedom. Oh, that's that, that's awesome. So I, I hear running through this, this whole idea of having flexibility, having the freedom uh, uh, to control control your own life. And that's 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 wonderful. And it's great that your dad has has given you that uh, permission and 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 also being a part of it. So that's great. And so, by the way, I'm having I'm having fun uh, today, uh, spending our time together. So we're not really working; right. we're, we're playing. So that's good. Exactly. So, uh, so obviously, uh, your dad is is a great role model to you. As someone's a great influence or whatever. So, where do where do you go outside of of business for for advice, uh, mentoring, uh, whatever? Uh, outside of just just your family, what what are what are resources that that you find that are helpful to you that might be helpful uh, to someone else who might be listening today? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at a couple different ways to try to get kind of input and feedback outside of uh, outside of sort of the family circle or, or within our specific business, and I think there's really three three broad categories and two of them are sort of overlapping in many ways. I think Mm -hmm. the first is looking for things like coaching. So, you know, if you look at all great athletes and performers Mm -hmm. at the highest level world champions, they all have coaches and Mm -hmm. your coach doesn't necessarily need to be someone who's better than you at what they're, you know, at what they're coaching you on, but it's, it's sort of a mirror and creates accountability and kind of shines a light on things that maybe you can't see because you're kind of in the trenches. And so, um, I think getting something like a performance coach or a business coach or whatever, mm-hmm. those are tremendous assets. And, and I have had a coach for a number of years that helps me just get perspective on things and think about it from a different angle and, um, has, has really helped me with my relationship with my father and, and, and many other aspects of, of kind of living within, uh, the structure of a family business. So coaching is one, I think another is, uh, kind of professional organizations, um, in and around, the, you know, the ability to kind of network and build relationships with other people who are business owners or family business owners, um, et cetera. And I think that's super important to have kind of a community of peers of other people that are going through similar things that you're going through so that you can bounce ideas off of them so that you can learn from them. Um, and so that you can kind of get ideas from them. And, and the third 
it sort of dovetails with both of those, but I think it's just in life outside of those two specific structures of kind of coaching and professional organizations, just building relationships with people, whether it's being building relationships with people who are other successful business people that are, that are kind of mentors or mm-hmm. whether it's building relationships with, um, just other professionals that inspire you that are kind of entrepreneurial, that are interesting, that are exciting and connecting with them, engaging with them. Um, you know, finding ways to catch up over coffee or, you know, I have a sort of a monthly poker game that I organize a lot of really interesting and entrepreneurial people at, mm-hmm. um, and just building those relationships so that you can kind of ping ideas, get feedback, etc. And so I think those three are all sort of ways to get, uh, ideas and feedback and coaching, et cetera, from people outside of the business and, and really refine and hone my own sort of thinking and perspective. And, and maybe a fourth would be, um, just reading and learning constantly. And so whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's reading a lot of books, whether it's reading articles, et cetera, kind of absorbing information to give you new perspective, to challenge the way you think about things, to open your eyes to new, uh, new opportunities or ideas. Very good. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Excellent, uh, suggestions there. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that everything is always rose, rosy, flexibility, freedom, uh, all those things, uh, uh, while they do help creativity, sometimes it can create some some disagreements. H- how does your family deal with disagreements on business issues? Yeah, I mean that's an interesting one, and and you know ultimately at the end of the day, my dad kind of has final say, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's it's our job. He obviously wants our input and our feedback, uh, et cetera, but the, the, he's going to make sort of the final decision. And so really it's about learning how to, how to influence or shape things in a way that, that we can kind of get to a mutually agreed upon place or a place that, um, you know, we all kind of want to get to, but typically, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm kind of someone that I don't really have, I try to sort of divorce emotion from whatever the, the, the issue at hand is. And so I typically am just trying to get to what's the best solution and how do we, how do we get to that? And what is, you know, what's kind of the optimal thing that we should be doing. And so in many ways, it's just trying to, trying to get data and facts to support and, and engage kind of whatever decision we're making so that we can make the best possible informed decision. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the decisions we make as a business is kind of sitting around uh, at a table as partners and sort and sorting through, okay, this is one option. This is another option. What do you think about this? Um, but when push comes to shove, you know, if, if, if that's ever the case, it's definitely, I think my dad is kind of has the final say. And I think being aware of that is an important aspect of maintaining our relationship and, and understanding what the power dynamic is. Hmm. Very good. Thank you. So, so you try to take the emotional, uh, the, the family dynamics out of it. And it's, it's really, it's about the business issue that you're facing and coming, coming up as you would in any business coming up with the, the options and you're providing the input. And at the, at the end of the day, uh, uh, your dad has the final say on that and y'all respect, respect that and move forward uh, with, with whatever the decision has been made. So uh, let's say a son or a daughter's listening out here uh, today and, and they're considering uh, joining uh, their family business, what advice would you offer to them uh, if they're considering to join the family business? Yeah, I mean, I think I, obviously I did it, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. But I would also say to when I when I made the decision to kind of come back and join our family business, I weighed a lot of different options, and I think it's important to kind of understand the idea of opportunity cost and figure out what is you know 
what are you getting into? And also what are the other opportunities that you could potentially pursue? And for me, I was really fortunate because I kind of had a taste of working in the family business for a month or two and then went off and kind of pursued the path of a corporate career for a little while. And then after having done both of those, I had a really clear sense of, all right, what is my life going to look like if I go and work for my family for 30 years? And what's my life going to look like if I go and stay, whether it's Goldman Sachs or another financial institution and, and kind of pursue this, this financial career path for 30 years. And, and I had a very clear sense of what both of those trajectories looked like. And to me, the trajectory that was by far the most interesting, rewarding and exciting was to pursue my family business. And so I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't go to either extreme of completely roll out the idea of working in your family business or just be locked in from the time you're, you know, 10 years old and say, I'm definitely working in the family business. I think you should really look at it and say, what are the opportunities within that business? What's the fit between you and your parents? Is it a good relationship for you? Can it, is it something that you're, you know, you can deal with and manage and, and, and you know, what are, what are kind of the alternatives? Is there, I would get a taste of, of sort of both options and then determine after experiencing them, what's really the optimal path forward for you. Cause I think it really comes down fundamentally to a ton of individual factors that are way beyond kind of whatever examples that I can give, you know, I mean, there's so many interpersonal dynamics and business dynamics, et cetera, that it might be a smashing success for some people and a disaster for other people to go into their family business. And I think without understanding all those factors and without kind of maybe sampling both, both options, you're never going to have a clear sense of which choice was the right choice. Hmm. Thank you. Good, good, good uh, advice there. Well, let's, let's flip that just a second. Uh, and let's just say, what advice would you offer to a father or mother who might be considering uh, inviting their children to join the family business? And this is interesting. This is super relevant for me because we're actually expecting our first child. So I've been thinking about oh, a lot of this congratulations. stuff. And obviously, it's down the road to some degree. But, uh, but uh, you know, I have a number of nieces and nephews as well that may or may not kind of get involved in the business in some way down the road. And so this this idea of sort of whether you call it succession or getting it, getting kind of other sure. family members involved. I think it's, I think it comes, I think the best sort of strategy is, is to, I wouldn't say it's sort of pressure them in a, in a, in a really kind of full on or intense way. I would say it's more about give them the full picture of what it's like, you know, show them your life, your lifestyle, uh, what it's like, maybe let them spend some time in the business, walk them through the intricacies of the business, maybe have them spend a month or two if they're interested in it, kind of working in the business or working for you or shadowing you. And, and then also encourage them to spend some time outside of the business and really get a taste of, of kind of what else the world has to offer. And, you know, if, if it's a good fit and if it's something that's compelling for them, ultimately, you know, there's, there's hopefully they'll, they'll want to get involved in it. Um, and so that's, I mean, at least that's kind of how I think about it. And, and in many ways, it's interesting because I have, I have two older siblings and my sister who's the, who's the oldest, she's, she's my half sibling. So she, and my brother's also my half sibling. So they're from my dad's first marriage and they both took completely different paths. My sister never has worked in our family business at all. And she was incredibly smart. She went to like Princeton. She got a Harvard MBA. She worked at McKinsey. She worked at JP Morgan, all this stuff. Now she's the CFO of a startup in Silicon Valley and kind of doing her own thing, doing really well. And then my brother is complete opposite. He kind of grew up in, 
you know, Birmingham, which is where we lived at the time Mm -hmm. and went to college there and has never worked anything other than working in our family business for his entire life. Um, and, and he, they've both done really, really well for themselves. And so I can kind of looked at both of those options and, and had those older siblings as, as kind of paths that I've seen people follow and sort of ultimately made a choice of sort of a hybrid path between the two of them that I felt kind of gave me a taste of both of those worlds and then got to kind of pick which world I thought was the best fit for me. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you're, you're really saying that uh, when a father mother's considering their children to join the, uh, the the family business, that it's okay if the if their gifts or their desires or uh, their talents are somewhere outside of the family business, that uh, they can still uh, treat them uh, fairly. Uh, uh, as far as the business is concerned, but not really be concerned about they have to treat them equally uh, by them all having to be in the business. So, um, so that's that's great. That's great. So, um, you guys are in the around the hospitality, the restaurant business, and so forth. So, uh, when you guys do get together as a family for for Sunday dinner, what do you guys talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, from for me and my dad, we definitely talk almost exclusively about business. Um, and that, again, I don't think that stems from a lack of other sort of factors in our relationship. It's just something we're both interested in and both enjoy talking about. And so even on Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, we're probably going to be talking some kind of business strategy. Not Maybe not all the time, but I'd say probably 80 to 85% of our interaction is around business or focused on business stuff. And some people will probably hear that and be horrified. Uh, but again, I come back to this idea that to me, I don't believe in the illusion of, of work life balance and having sort of a divide between work and, and life and my life and my family and my business and everything is so interwoven in a way that to me, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all to have a, a, you know, a, a business meeting on a family vacation or talk about business over, you know, Christmas dinner or, anything like that to me, they're all sort of, sort of intermeshed together in a way that, uh, I, I enjoy having my life be very kind of, uh, connected in that sense. And so we would probably mostly talk about business in that context. Now, not necessarily, that wouldn't be the only thing that we talk about, but I think that would be a big chunk of our, of our conversation for sure. Now, my other family members, you know, my mom or my sister or something like that, we would probably talk about all kinds of miscellaneous random stuff, whatever a normal sort of family would talk about. But my dad and my brother is maybe 50, 50. He and I have other kind of common interests and stuff that we would maybe catch up about. But I would say, uh, for, for me and my father, it would be probably mostly business stuff we talk about. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. No, oh, by the way, uh, Congratulations on your uh, upcoming uh, addition to your family. And Thank you. I, can, I can say from experience, the conversation will change some at the dinner table <laughs> once your uh, baby arrives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So, um, Matt, w- w- certainly you'll have so many things going on, but uh, what's, what's the next big, big thing on Matt's agenda? Yeah, I mean, from a business standpoint, we've got we've got a couple of uh, kind of big deals that are that are kind of closing, just closed or about to close that are going to take up a lot of our a lot of our time and energy and focus uh, in the next couple months. And and so that's kind of what's looming on the business horizon. And then from a personal standpoint, as I as I kind of talked about the uh, I have my child is sort of due in, in about a month and a half. And so that's 
coming up very, very quickly and, uh, and obviously looming large on my, on my horizon as well. And so I think those two things are really taking up probably the majority of my time and focus for the next several months or maybe the balance of, uh, of 2018. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's, we'll look forward to hearing about that. So, um, when we first met, uh, Matt, you, uh, you called yourself an accidental podcaster. Tell us something about your podcast, The Science of Success. Yeah, so The Science of Success, I, you know, I call myself an accidental podcaster. It's a long story, but um, basically I sort of stumbled into creating a podcast at the suggestion and behest of a friend of mine. And we kind of launched it about two years ago, um, and, and it really got a lot more traction than we anticipated it getting. And so I've, I've stayed on with it and done it uh, for, for over the last two years now. And it's called The Science of Success, as you said, and it's about uh, kind of the intersection of psychology and decision-making. And we talk a lot about what we call evidence-based growth, which is basically this idea of what does the science say? What does the data say? What does the research say about personal development and improvement and, and growth? And so kind of hearkening back to your question earlier, you know, to me, the podcast is a great way to learn from and interact with uh, incredibly smart thinkers, researchers, psychologists, neuroscientists, people like FBI hostage negotiators, astronauts, all kinds of people from various uh, facets of life. And, and pick their brain and get kind of wisdom and ideas and, and things that are applicable. And fortunately, I'm able to share those with an audience of people around the world. You know, we have over a million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. And so it's really taken off a lot more than we kind of anticipated. Um, and and it, it, I call myself accidental, not only because I never sort of set out to create it, but also because it doesn't really, it's not kind of on the surface directly aligned with sort of my day-to-day business in the family business. But at the same time, it's a project that richens and, and, and deepens and kind of informs my understanding of the world and human behavior and all these kind of things that are really, really important and relevant in any business context. And so I think the podcast has definitely not only helped me in my family relationships and, and thinking about how to deal with my parents and my, you know, my own sort of emotions, but also uh, helped me in tremendously in, in many different business contexts of thinking about how people think, how people make decisions, how I can make better decisions for my business, et cetera. And so it's been a really, really helpful tool for me personally uh, to kind of go through that journey. And then the sort of side benefit of that is that I can actually save all of those really informative and interesting conversations and give them away for free on the internet to, you know, people around the world. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, if, if someone wanted to listen to your podcast or subscribe to it, uh, go to iTunes, um, yeah, that's right. So you can find the show in iTunes. It's just called the science of success. Uh, or if you want to check out our website, you can find all the information about the show on there. It's just successpodcast.com. You can find everything on there. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Well, Matt, we're sort of coming to the end of the uh, of the program here. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that was great. I mean, you know, if, if people want to reach out, they have questions for me, they want to connect with me, uh, I give away my email at the end of every single episode of The Science of Success. So if that's something that you're interested in, be more than happy to answer your questions or, or catch up with you, talk to you, et cetera. Um, so, you know, please feel free to reach out. Well, Matt, thank you for being our guest on Family Business Today. To learn more about Fresh Hospitality, visit their website at www.freshhospitality.net. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee, 
We are an association of family businesses who work together to grow our business through relationships, education, and successful generational transition. If you have a specific topic that you would be interested in us having a program on, send us an email to info at tncfb.com. To learn more about the Tennessee Center for Family Business, visit our website at www.tncfb.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.